Welcome to SEL Unfiltered. If you are a teacher, counselor, or educator looking for additional SEL resources and encouragement, you are in the right place. Stick around to empower the SEL guide in you. This week, we are continuing our series on creating and implementing an SEL program at your school. This series, we are covering all of the topics so that you can seamlessly create and implement the perfect SEL program for your school. Today's episode, we are going to play a quick round of Thankful Thursday, explain why an advisory council is so impactful, and how to set one up. We will finish things off by answering our question of the day. I am your host, Michelle Shepard, and I am joined today by my trusty co-host, Caitlin Baldwin. We are just two middle school counselors in the trenches wanting to share our unfiltered SEL tips and tricks that we have learned over the years with you. So let's get down to it guys, the nitty gritty of creating an advisory council. So on our last episode, we talked a little bit about an advisory period. Now we're gonna talk about who would be on that advisory council. So you're probably thinking, seriously, now I need a council too? Like I'm so overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. You're telling me I need an advisory period in an advisory council. This is too much, Michelle and Caitlin, it's too much. (laughs) We know, we hear you, we know. Getting started is by far the hardest and most daunting part, okay? But we promise taking the time to build it will be worth it in the long run. So putting in that extra time right now is going to save you time in the future. Hands down. And your counsel is going to help you do this. Yes. You're not doing it alone. You're not doing it alone. We're here. We are here for you. And once you build this council, they're going to be there for you too. Right. I love that. We are here for you. We're always here for you. We're here for you. Okay. Favorite part of the day. Game time. So this week, our game or activity is Thankful Thursday. And this is something that you can implement with your classes. You can implement this in your advisory period. You can implement this just in a small group or even just your kids need a break and it's Thursday. Go around and do Thankful Thursday. Mm -hmm. So... Thankful Thursday is essentially just going around the classroom and letting everyone share something that they're thankful for. Now, I did this in a sixth grade classroom. I was subbing and I did this in a sixth grade classroom and the kids loved it. They got so in to being able to say what they were thankful for. It only started with a couple of them putting their hands up. And by the time those couple finished saying what they wanted to, when it was all said and done, I think it was probably 90% of that classroom. And we, I mean, we eventually had to stop because then people thought of more things that they were thankful for and wanted to go again. So I'm like, okay, guys. like That's amazing. Yeah, it was wonderful. And it was so sweet to hear the things that they said. Yeah. It just warmed my heart to listen to them. And I think once, because sometimes I think of those little kids who are maybe being a little bit of a turd, who are like, nothing. But then once they hear other people... Like, really getting into it and seeing, like, wait a second, this is kind of fun, going yeah. around the room and doing this. Their mind shifts. Absolutely. And they share what they're thankful for. Mm-hmm. So, thankful Thursday. Let's do it. Okay. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? What are we going to do? Just, like, back and forth or? Sure. Just list list things. List three things you're thankful for. Okay. I'm thankful. I guess I'm going first. I just okay, started. go for it. I'm thankful for my job. 
I love my job. I started at my new school with Michelle this year, and I'm just very grateful for all the people there. The kids are great. I enjoy going to work every day, so I'm very grateful to have a job that I enjoy. Number two, I am thankful. This one I'm going to make more silly. I'm thankful for heated seats in my car because it's starting to get really cold outside. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> so I really enjoy having a heated seat so I'm not freezing when I'm driving. I like that. Um, number three, I would say I am thankful for... I'm going to make this one kind of silly too. Tacos. I had tacos yesterday and... I love them so much. I could eat them every day. Oh, tacos are good. Mexican food is a staple for me. Um, tacos are in the crock pot right now. <sighs> Chicken tacos, just throwing that out Delicious. Mm-hmm. All right, okay. what do you got? What are your three? My three. I am thankful for my Bible study girls. They call me out when I'm being ridiculous. I love them. They're yeah. like my own personal advisory council that just calls me out when I'm being ridiculous. It's nice to have people that hold you accountable. Right? They hold me accountable, but they also encourage me, too. So they're awesome. So I'm thankful for my Bible study girls. Uh, I'm thankful for ice cream. That's my silly one. Ice cream. I love ice cream. I would be so sad if I couldn't eat ice cream. It makes everything better. I work out so that I can eat ice cream. I'm thankful for ice cream. Yes. And then I'm thankful for my house. Thankful for my house because my house is is my safe place. Mm-hmm. It's quiet mm-hmm. and it's warm because it's winter. It's freezing cold outside. I'm thankful that I have a house to live in and I can come inside and be warm. Maybe I should say I'm thankful for the gas company to go <laughs> along with the house. I, I have to add a fourth one because I know my husband listens to our podcast and he would be like, what, Caitlin? I am very thankful for my husband who does everything. <laughs> oh, your husband is awesome. Currently taking care of our child, maybe cleaning our house while I'm recording these podcasts. So I am grateful for him. But very thankful. He does give us good feedback, too. He does. So He'll be our advisory. Shout out Shout out to Jake. I'm thankful for you. Oh, me too, Jake. We love you. <laughs> your wife loves you. I, I love your advice. <laughs> All right. So moving forward, creating an advisory council. So the quote I found for this is, Walk with the dreamers, the believers, the courageous, the cheerful, the planners, the doers, the successful people with their heads in the clouds and their feet on the ground. This was from Wilford Peterson. He's an author that lived from 1900 to 1995. I love this quote because it almost I'm reading it and it's like encompassing every type of person. Right? All the people that are encouraging you to do good things. Mm-hmm. So if you surround yourself with the people who are cheerful, you're going to have a better attitude. With people who plan, you're going to get things done. With people who do, you're going to be able to dream big and accomplish those dreams. So you are really surrounding yourself with the people who are going to get you where you want to go. I agree with this 100%. I, I feel when I read this, it makes me think of you. Because you are a dreamer and a doer, and I think you've made me more of a dreamer and a doer. Ooh. So I, I agree. When you surround yourself with people like this, it's exciting. Right? It's exciting. Because then you're just encouraged, and you like it lights a fire in you, and you're ready to go. Yeah, you want to get things done. Right? 
I love it. I love hanging out with you, Caitlin. Aww. And speaking of dreamers, so what? if you can dream it, you can do it. Who said that? Walt Disney. Right? Yeah, we love Disney. We do love Disney. <laughs> Disney, we love you. Can you send us to Disney World? Right? We will oh. advertise for you all the time. Yep. Sold. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's really not part of our advisory council, but... If you can dream it, it, you can do it. And that's part of an advisory council. So what is an advisory council? We've talked about it for a few minutes. What is it? An advisory council is simply a group of people that are going to help you dream big and get things done. They're going to be there to call you out when you're being ridiculous. They're there to help guide you and put you on a path that's not just your idea, but it's theirs. There's a lot of controversy right now about SEL. There's a lot of skepticism. And your advisory council helps protect you from that because you are not creating the program on your own. You are not doing things on your own. It's not your single opinion. It's the opinion of your entire advisory council. So that really holds a lot of weight when you're showing that to others. And then why have one? Well, one, you have their wisdom. You have their other opinions. And I put people on my advisory council that are difficult. So those parents that have those really strong opinions that I cringe when I see their number pop up on my phone because I know it's going to be a 30-minute conversation and exhausting, those are the people I want on my advisory council because if I can convince them to do something, then I can convince anyone. And if they're on board, then I know other people are going to be on board. And it's just giving you like a well-rounded team right. to do this. You don't want everybody who's a... a I don't want to, is yes sir a word? Like, where they just say yes to everything? Like, you don't want that. You want people to challenge you in the program so you can make it the best for your school. Exactly, exactly. And I want to be kept accountable. So, no man is an island. Exactly. All right, so let's talk about three types of what you want for advisory council. So, the first one would be your focus group. So, this is like your close-knit group when creating this council. These are your core people. So your counselors, maybe a teacher who's really invested, maybe an administrator. This is your group who's going to get get things started. Okay. And I think of this group as your boots on the ground. These are Mm -hmm. the people that are not going to mind putting in the extra work. They are the people who are really helping you while they will give you that closed door advice. But they're also the people that are going to help you get things done because you cannot do it all on your own. So the people on your focus group are the people that are willing to put in some work for you. And it's a pretty small group. It's not huge yet. Right. That's that's your one. And you guys are probably going to meet pretty frequently because you're starting the program and getting the ball rolling. So after that, you have like your student group involved in this. So you want a well-rounded group of students who encompass your whole school. Okay. So that would be your athletes, maybe kids not involved in extracurriculars, kids who are on honor roll, kids who are struggling more academically, Mm -hmm. some with more of the behavior concern. You want everything. Yeah, you want a well-represented student advisory council. Mm-hmm. I would encourage you when you're picking students, just ensure that you're picking students that are willing to talk to you. Because mm-hmm. if they're not willing to talk to you, it's not going to be helpful. And even your students with behavior issues, as long as they can be respectful to one another in the room, then that's totally fine. I want kids who 
get office referrals. I want kids who are getting in trouble. One, they know what all the other kids are doing and they're going to tell you what all the other kids are doing. Yep. But also there's a reason that they have these behavior issues and so I want them represented. Exactly. So then the other piece to it is your community part. So this would be getting district level employees involved, your education foundation, your school resource officers, even like your community libraries, things like that. So all of these groups are going to meet fairly frequently when first creating your advisory council. But once things really get going, your school base um, with your kiddos and the community base really would only need to meet once or twice. Well, the community maybe once or twice a year and then the school one maybe once a quarter or things like that with your kids. Absolutely. And you could see, I mean, maybe you with your student group, you meet more frequently. You meet once a month. It's an extracurricular activity that you have or during your success period, your advisory period, you meet with them once a month just to get the pulse on what's happening in the school because these people are going to tell you what's going on. Mm-hmm. And your community, once you get your programs running and going, they're really there just to check in on the data and make changes for the next year. So you might only need to meet with them once a year once you get things going just to review that data with them and set your goals for the next year. But your focus group, you might meet a little more frequently. You're going to meet with your focus group before you meet with your community group. So your focus group, you're going to run things by them first. They're going to help you gather that data. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to take all of that information to your community group. Right. So now we've talked about what advisory council is, why it's important to have one, different types of those councils, which is the focus, the student, and the community, and how to get those started. And now we want to talk about how to run this meeting. So now you've created the people involved. You've pulled those people. They've all committed. You're good, okay? How do you run that meeting? So starting with an agenda. What are you wanting to accomplish? What are your goals for your school? Gathering that data. So is it, you know, you're having a ton of office referrals, kids skipping school. What does that look like? What are the things you really want to talk about and create for your school? Look at the time. This is not a meeting that you're wanting to spend hours, right? You want to make sure you're designating a time for this as a group to to meet monthly, weekly, whatever you're scheduling it as. Keep it concise and give the information ahead of time. So you kind of have an outline of what you're walking into. Absolutely. And this was the biggest thing when we started our advisory council at our school was to give the information ahead of time. Sometimes there is a lot of data that you're giving and they cannot sit in that meeting and chew through all of that data or chew through all of that information. And I want them to come prepared with things to talk about. And so I send out the data ahead of time. I send out the agenda ahead of time. And that gives them a chance to, one, know what they're coming into, and two, to have the opportunity to think through some of those things and come with ideas already. And so if I know we're going to be talking about a specific question or something like that, I let them know when I send out the information for the meeting exactly what we're going to be talking about and what I want them to think about ahead of time. So when we come, we can bring those ideas together and discuss those together. Couldn't have said it better myself. So it's just, hopefully this information that we've talked about today will help you guys feel more confident in who to choose for your advisory council and how to run that council. So moving on to our last segment of the show, the question of the week. 
This is where we want to hear from you guys and answer your tough questions. Send them to us. We want to hear them. We are SEL Unfiltered for a reason. Email us your questions at podcast at themindtrack.com. All right, Michelle, here's the question. Here we go. What do I do when a member of my advisory council doesn't agree with the plan? So I love this, and I mentioned earlier, I like adding people to my advisory council that I know are going to disagree because I like to win them over. One, it's a challenge, and two, (laughs) if... If I can get them to agree or I get their opinions, then it's going to be easier in the long run when other people disagree Mm -hmm. because I have that hard opinion. I have that person who isn't afraid to say, why are we doing this or what is going on? And maybe like us counselors who are creating the program, we kind of feel like we sometimes are right and we that this is what it should be. But maybe once they bring their opinion to the table, we are like, oh, I didn't think about it. I this. didn't think about that. That's a great point. Yeah. Like maybe we do need to tweak some things. Absolutely. And also, when you are facing this, I want to encourage you to remember that your program is not you and you are not your program. So keep that separate. If somebody is attacking your program, if somebody is disagreeing with your idea, it doesn't necessarily mean that they are attacking you or putting you down, it is your program. And sometimes it's really hard. We invest a lot into what we're doing. And so we take things very, very personally. But I would encourage you to grow a thick skin when you're doing this because you are going to have disagreement. Disagreement is good and you want it. It helps with growth. It helps with growth. And you get it out of the way. And you mm-hmm. you get it out of the way, and so you're not now dealing with all of the parents of your entire school district. You're dealing with the one parent or the two parents or community members or teachers or whoever in your group. And so hopefully you can resolve those, problem, those problems. But I would encourage you, when someone is disagreeing with you, get down to the why. So ask them questions and listen to what they have to say. Listen, don't get on the defensive. Just listen to every word that they're saying and dig down until you can figure out the why. Even if that means asking them more questions. Why do they feel that way and what is their concern? And really get down to the root of the problem because once you're down to the root of the problem, you can solve it. And the solution to the problem isn't always the solution or the complaint that they have, but once you know the why, you can solve the problem and you both walk away happy and you both walk away with their problem solved and yet your program moving forward in a positive direction. So get down to the why is my biggest thing. Listen, absolutely listen. Do not think about what you're going to say while they're still talking. Listen to every word that they're saying. You want an open dialogue. That is a good thing. And then remember that the council votes and gives input, but the council is not the final say. You are the final say. Your principal is the final say. Your school district is the final say. Now, I'm not saying that you just throw out everything that they're saying. If they have lots of concerns, there's a reason there are concerns, and you really need to look at those. But remember that that one parent is not necessarily the final say in what's going on. You have an entire council. Right. And And you put them on your council for a reason. Yes. So always remember that. Maybe you are having a disagreement, but you put them there for a purpose. So hear what they have to say. Yeah, and people just want to be heard. Mm Mm-hmm. So... 
We want your feedback. We love your feedback. You can check out our resources in our blog post for this podcast. But also, if you have questions or feedback, please email us at podcast at This has been SEL Unfiltered. Thanks to our sponsor, the MindTrek SEL program, guiding people of all ages to make the impossible possible by giving them the tools to overcome stress, build stronger relationships, and climb their Everest. You can find them at themindtrek.com. If you have feedback or want us to answer your SEL questions, email us at podcast at themindtrek.com. We would love to hear from you. Join us next time to empower the SEL guide in you.